part nine mademoiselle de scuderi section nine from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part nine mademoiselle de scuderi a tale from the times of louis the fourteenth section nine i adopted the trade of a goldsmith merely that i might be able to handle gold and precious stones i worked with passionate enthusiasm and soon became the first master in the craft but now began a period in which my innate propensity so long repressed burst forth with vehemence and grew most rapidly imbibing nourishment from everything about it so soon as i had completed a piece of jewellery and had delivered it up to the customer i fell into a state of unrest of desperate disquiet which robbed me of sleep and health and courage for my daily life day and night the person for whom i had done the work stood before my eyes like a spectre adorned with my jewellery whilst a voice whispered in my ears yes it's yours yes it's yours go and take it what does a dead man want diamonds for then i began to practise thievish arts as i had access to the houses of the great i speedily turned every opportunity to good account no lock could baffle my skill and i soon had the object which i had made in my hands again but after a time even that did not banish my unrest that unearthly voice still continued to make itself heard in my ears mocking me to scorn and crying ho ho a dead man is wearing your jewellery by some inexplicable means which i do not understand i began to conceive an unspeakable hatred of those for whom i made my ornaments i deep down in my heart there began to stir a murderous feeling against them at which i myself trembled with apprehension about this time i bought this house i had just struck a bargain with the owner we were sitting in this room drinking a glass of wine together and enjoying ourselves over the settlement of our business night had come i rose to go then the vendor of the house said see here master rene before you go i must make you acquainted with the secret of the place therewith he unlocked that press led into the wall there pushed away the panels at the back and stepped into a little room where stooping down he lifted up a trap-door we descended a flight of steep narrow stairs and came to a narrow postern which he unlocked and let us out into the courtyard then the old gentleman the previous owner of the house stepped up to the wall and pressed an iron knob which projected only very triflingly from it immediately a portion of the wall swung round so that a man could easily slip through the opening and in that way gain the street i will show you the neat contrivance some day olivier very likely it was constructed by the cunning monks of the monastery which formerly stood on this site in order that they might steal in and out secretly it is a piece of wood plastered with mortar and whitewashed on the outside only and within it on the side next the street is fixed a statue also of wood but coloured to look exactly like stone and the whole piece together with the statue moves upon concealed hinges dark thoughts swept into my mind when i saw this contrivance it appeared to have been built with a predestined view to such deeds as yet remained unknown to myself 
i had just completed a valuable ornament for a courtier and knew that he intended it for an opera dancer the ominous torture assailed me again the spectre dogged my footsteps the whispering fiend was at my ear i took possession of my new house i tossed sleeplessly on my couch bathed in perspiration caused by the hideous torments i was enduring in imagination i saw the man gliding along to the dancer's abode with my ornament i leapt up full of fury threw on my mantle went down by the secret stairs through the wall and into the rue niquet's he is coming along i throw myself upon him he screams out but i have seized him fast from behind and driven my dagger right into his heart the ornament is mine this done i experienced a calmness a satisfaction in my soul which i had never yet experienced the spectre had vanished the voice of the fiend was still now i knew what my evil destiny wanted i had either to yield to it or to perish and now too you understand the secret of all my conduct olivier but do not believe because i must do that for which there is no help that therefore i have entirely lost all sense of pity of compassion which is said to be one of the essential properties of human nature you know how hard it is for me to part with a finished piece of work and that there are many for whom i refuse to work at all because i do not wish their death and it has also happened that when i felt my spectre would have to be exercised on the following day by blood i have satisfied it with a stout blow of the fist the same day which stretched on the ground the owner of my jewel and delivered the jewel itself into my hand having told me all this cardiac took me into his secret vault and granted me a sight of his jewel cabinet and the king himself has not one finer a short label was attached to each article stating accurately for whom it was made when it was recovered and whether by theft or by robbery from the person accompanied with violence or by murder then cardiac said in a hollow and solemn voice on your wedding-day olivier you will have to lay your hand on the image of the crucified christ and swear a solemn oath that after i am dead you will reduce all these riches to dust through means which i shall then before i die disclose to you i will not have any human creature and certainly neither madelon nor you come into possession of this blood-bought treasure store entangled in this labyrinth of crime and with my heart lacerated by love and abhorrence by rapture and horror i might be compared to the condemned mortal whom a lovely angel is beckoning upwards with a gentle smile whilst on the other hand satan is holding him fast in his burning talons till the good angel's smiles of love in which are reflected all the bliss of the highest heaven become converted into the most poignant of his miseries i thought of flight ay even of suicide but madelon blame me reproach me honoured lady for my too great weakness in not fighting down by an effort of will a passion that was fettering me to crime but am i not about to atone for my fault by a death of shame one day cardiac came home in uncommonly good spirits he caressed madelon greeted me with the most friendly good will and at dinner drank a bottle of better wine of a brand that he only produced on high holidays and festivals and he also sang and gave vent to his feelings in exuberant manifestations of joy 
when madelon had left us i rose to return to the workshop sit still lad said cardillac we'll not work any more to-day let us drink another glass together to the health of the most estimable and most excellent lady in paris after i had joined glasses with him and had drained mine to the bottom he went on tell me olivier how do you like these verses un amant qui craint le voyou n'est point digne d'amour then he went on to relate the episode between you and the king in der maintenon's salons adding that he had always honoured you as he never had any other human creature and that you were gifted with such lofty virtue as to make his ill-omened star of destiny grow pale and that if you were to wear the handsomest ornament he ever made it would never provoke in him either an evil spectre or murderous thoughts listen now olivier he said what i have made up my mind to do a long time ago i received an order for a necklace and a pair of bracelets for henrietta of england and the stones were given me for the purpose the work turned out better than the best i had ever previously done but my heart was torn at the thought of parting from the ornaments for they had become my pet jewels you are aware of the princess's unhappy death by sinister means the ornaments i retained and will now send them to mademoiselle de scudere in the name of the persecuted band of robbers as a token of my respect and gratitude not only will mademoiselle receive an eloquent token of her triumph but i shall also laugh de grey and his associates to scorn as they deserve to be laughed at you shall take her the ornaments as cardillac mentioned your name mademoiselle i seem to see a dark veil thrown aside revealing the fair bright picture of my early happy childhood days in gay and cheerful colours a wondrous source of comfort entered my soul a ray of hope before which all my dark spirits faded away possibly cardillac noted the effect which his words had upon me and interpreted it in his own way you appear to find pleasure in my plan he said and i may as well state to you that i have been commanded to do this by an inward monitor deep down in my heart very different from that which demands its holocaust of blood like some ravenous beast of prey i often experience very remarkable feelings i am powerfully affected by an inward apprehension by fear of something terrible the horrors of which breathe upon me in the air from a far distant world of the supernatural i then feel even as if the crimes i commit as the blind instrument of my ill-starred destiny may be charged upon my immortal soul which has no share in them during one such mood i vowed to make a diamond crown for the holy virgin in st eustace's church but so often as i thought seriously about setting to work upon it i was overwhelmed by this unaccountable apprehension so that i gave up the project altogether now i feel as if i must humbly offer an acknowledgment at the altar of virtue and piety by sending to Derscuderi the handsomest ornaments i have ever worked cardillac who was intimately acquainted with your habits and ways of life mademoiselle gave me instructions respecting the manner and the hour the how and the when in which i was to deliver the ornaments which he locked in an elegant case into your hands i was completely thrilled with delight for heaven itself now pointed out to me through the miscreant cardillac a way by which i might rescue myself from the hellish thraldom 
in which i a sinner and outcast was slowly perishing these at least were my thoughts in express opposition to cardiac's will i resolved to force myself in to an interview with you i intended to reveal myself as anne brusson's son as your own adoptive child and to throw myself at your feet and confess all all i knew that you would have been so touched by the overwhelming misery which would have threatened poor innocent madelon by any disclosure that you would have respected the secret whilst your keen sagacious mind would i felt assured have devised some means by which cardiac's infamous wickedness might have been prevented without any exposure pray do not ask me what shape these means would have taken i do not know but that you would save madelon and me of that i was most firmly convinced as firmly as i believe in the comfort and help of the holy virgin you know how my intention was frustrated that night mademoiselle i still cherish the hope of being more successful another time soon after this cardiac seemed suddenly to lose all his good humour he went about with a cloudy brow fixed his eyes on vacancy in front of him murmured unintelligible words and gesticulated with his hands as if warding off something hostile from him his mind appeared to be tormented by evil thoughts thus he behaved during the course of one whole morning finally he sat down to his work-table but he soon leapt up again peevishly and looked out of the window saying moodily and earnestly i wish after all that henrietta of england had worn my ornaments these words struck terror to my heart now i knew that his warped mind was again enslaved by the abominable spectre of murder and that the voice of the fiend was again ringing audibly in his ears i saw your life was threatened by the villainous demon of murder if cardiac only had his ornaments in his hands again you were saved every moment the danger increased then i met you on the pont neuf and forced my way to your carriage and threw you that note beseeching you to restore the ornaments which you had received to cardiac's hands at once you did not come my distress deepened to despair when on the following day cardiac talked about nothing else but the magnificent ornaments which he had seen before his eyes during the night i could only interpret that as having reference to your jewellery and i was certain that he was brooding over some fresh murderous onslaught which he had assuredly determined to put into execution during the coming night i must save you even if it cost cardiac's own life so soon as he had locked himself in his own room after evening prayers according to his wont i climbed out of a window into the courtyard slipped through the opening in the wall and took up my station at no great distance hidden in the deep shade i had not long to wait before cardiac appeared and stole softly up the street me following him he bent his steps towards the rue st honore my heart trembled with apprehension all of a sudden i lost sight of him i made up my mind to take post at your house door then there came an officer past me without perceiving me singing and gaily humming a tune to himself as on the occasion when chance first made me a witness of cardiac's bloody deeds but that self-same moment a dark figure leapt forward and fell upon the officer it was cardiac this murder i would at any rate prevent with a loud shout i reached the spot in two or three bounds when not the officer but cardiac fell on the floor groaning 
the officer let his dagger fall and drawing his sword put himself in a posture for fighting imagining that i was the murderer's accomplice but when he saw that i was only concerned about the slain man and did not trouble myself about him he hurried away cardiac was still alive after picking up and taking charge of the dagger which the officer had let fall i loaded my master upon my shoulders and painfully lugged him home carrying him up to the workshop by way of the concealed stairs the rest you know end of part nine section nine recording by expatriate in bangor maine